you are listening to Necropolis on Hessian Firm. Please visit hessianfirm.com for metal reviews, interviews, analyses, lifestyle articles, as well as releases from the label. Welcome to Necropolis. I am Jason, also known as Lone Goat from the Necroclassical Project Goatcraft. Today we have Paul Ledney from Profanatica on the program, Mr. Legend in the USBM scene, one of the, the first guys in it. Um, so thank you very much for being on the program, Mr. Ledney. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, sir. And we also have Mr. Shelley from the website hatemeditations.com. Shelley is kind of like a, a co-host on this episode, like he's done in the past. Thank you for coming back, Shelley. Hello. Thank you very much for having me back. Good to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, happy 4th of July. I know you're in England, so this is a, a, a great holiday for you when we got our independence from you. So happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. I totally remembered, uh, if you hadn't reminded me of it. <laughs> yep, got to put on the Patriot of Mel Gibson and watch that and appreciate America. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got extra tea and crumpets to protect myself. So. <laughs> yep, in true English style. So, Mr. Lidney, um, one recurring theme that I've always seen in your music is that it's super evil, it's very anti-Christian, and you use very obscene imagery, um, such as having your dick and promotional cover uh, images, been dressing up as a nun. So, in like a kind of like Darwinian terms, you know, from a scientific stance, uh, this could be considered like having a short life history strategy where, you know, you go out and shock a lot of people. But, you know, like two, three hundred years ago, um, you would be arrested for such behavior. So do you think the modern world is more conducive to your behavior um, in metal um, compared to like if you were like 300 years ago showing your penis to everyone? Um, it, this is, I guess, it, it just, uh, like I said in the past, it just always seems kind of natural for us. We weren't sitting around ever going, hey, let's do this. It's going to freak people out. It was just kind of like a bonus that it did. <laughs> so unfortunately, because I've talked about this, I probably would have done the same thing 300 years ago and then just get got hanged. Yeah, you probably would have gone to jail and... It'll be like soft eugenics where, you know, young males who went to jail like 300 years ago, they typically did not have children. Um, so your genes would have been removed from future generations back then. Yeah, um, I guess so. Like, even if, if, if I did go find a time machine and went back in time, I would do this. I wouldn't be able to like, I don't know, maybe, maybe a couple of days I'd be able to uh, hide it. Eventually, it would come out, and I would probably get trouble. <laughs> That's hilarious, Shelley. Do you have any thoughts on Mr. Lenny showing the world his penis? Well, I was going to say, like, obviously, uh, in extreme metal, like the relationship with like blasphemy and anti-Christianity is is very firm. But like, profanatica always seemed like the logical conclusion. Like, you can't really get any more um, just anti-Christian, and that authenticity really kind of comes through in what you do in that some bands you can tell that they kind of they're doing it as a novelty but you say it sort of seems natural and i think that really comes through in in the music that you uh produce cool thank you 
Um, yeah, Profanatica always seems very authentic. So yeah, it definitely makes sense that the imagery coincides with that. Um, sorry for stepping on you. No, that's cool. I, I think uh, I want when we did those photos, um, we traded photos with Impaled Nazarene, who did the same thing. We just didn't know. So we traded packages to each other. And uh, I don't know if you've seen their photos like that. No, I, I typically don't go looking for pictures of musicians' penises and all that, but uh, yours <laughs> is very, very prolific. Everyone knows about it. <laughs> I, I want to say that their photos came out better than ours. I kind of always thought that. What, were they so direct or what? Uh, I think so. They, you have to look now, now that we're talking about it. Okay, I'm kind of surprised you haven't looked. I've made, I've made a mental note to Google it later. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going on the Google yeah, as we speak, and I'm bringing up that image of impaled Nazarene's fine. dick. Because I was going to say, you mentioned impaled Nazarene, but like, and as far as like, the early black metal outside of uh, Norway, you definitely seemed like kindred spirits in terms of like the extremity of the message that you wanted to convey. Is that something that kind of resonates? Or? Cool. Um, I, I like, I can't help but keep going back to things that like I, that are like important to us. But back then all the bands that were doing this had their, own distinct style like we sounded different from rotting christ who sounded different from beharit and impaled nazarene blasphemy and absu everybody kind of had their own way of doing this and uh that disappeared as soon as the uh well what i call like the european black metal sound came about do, uh, do, by that do you mean sort of the you know, uh, second wave of Norwegian black metal, which kind of is what most people understand by black metal today. Yeah, exactly. Because back then I was there, that shit was not part of it. It, it. it was, but a good year, a year to two years later, you know, if you look at how, like the, some of those first couple of releases of those bands, they're like 91, 92. So, in metal, six months is a long time, considering you could buy an LP back in the day and have the whole thing kind of memorized over over like the weekend, because, you know, just playing it over and over. And what I mean by that is like they, they internalized it and everybody started like copying each other. So a year and a half after like the we all, like most of the Osmos bands did it. To me and to us, like the, our original members, it, that was kind of like new Jack, people just coming on the scene, bullshit to us. And I, we kind of, we hated it back then and I still hate it. It's, it's got no, like every, the imagery is fine but there's no heavy base to it or balls really. Yeah. Your and, music and is way more primitive and barbaric. Um, so 
like American black metal is rooted in death metal. I know you had a stint with totally. um and all that. Um, you know, like I said earlier in this episode, you know, black metal in your eyes should be evil, anti-Christian, etc. And a lot of these newer black metal bands, I say newer as like, you know, the mid nineties forward, um, they're coming out and they're, they're having lofty concepts that could be considered, you know, highbrow in some circles. And they're taking, you know, the, the primitive nature out of their music, which, you know, extreme metal should have a primitive side to it. And your eyes, a black metal should be evil, um, you know, evil in every uh, manner of the music, whether, you know, it's the textural components, the lyrics or the imagery that you're putting out there. And a lot of, you know, like the Norwegian bands, you look at Emperor or Third Later, works there's nothing evil whatsoever about it yeah and and it's their band they could do whatever the hell they want with it but you have like the, the people that like that or the fans i don't know I, I guess everybody's so accepting nowadays so and it wasn't like that so you couldn't pull any weird shit like that without getting like angry letters or people saying you suck and that's true i heard what you said in that interview so everybody's like really you know it, it's like kind of liking horror movies and comedy <laughs> you could like two genres for me personally i i hate stuff that's rooted in like folk music as like i grew up listening to like hard rock and metal and then always looking for something heavier um, but I don't really want to hang around anybody either that likes that crap. Yeah, something like when a pr- I hate it when a promoter picks me up. They always have that shit playing in the car. I've never met this, whoever it may be. I never met this guy before. They're picking me up. Everybody's great. They're like, "Let's get you something to eat. We'll take you to the hotel." The first thing I do with my left hand, turn their music way down, like. A hundred percent of the time, that bullshit's playing in the car. That's weird. That so, like, sense. even at some of these festivals with a lot of war metal and things like that, the promoters play music that is unsavory to you, correct? Yeah, that happened last week. Uh, in at the fest in New Jersey. I don't know if you heard about that. Fest. Yeah, um, Craig Pillar was back in a uh, Disma, I believe, and images came out of yeah. that. Um, hmm. I don't know. A good friend of ours, ours, Kyle, AEP Productions, put that fest on, and uh, it was all morning with this shit. So I go down to the sound guys who are playing it, and it's Kyle's like personal cell phone, and it's uh, what was it? I think it was Dark Throne. And uh, I was like, dude, turn this shit off. Like, put something. This is like a real, fe- it should be like a real fest. So uh, the sound guy's like, this is Kyle's phone. So I just went on Spotify and uh, put on Profanatica. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. There's some true Which- authentic music for you. <laughs> I, I, I know firsthand experience with this is good for you. So something that you mentioned is that, you know, uh, Profanatica came out. Where, when the satanic panic, you know, is still going on and you're using that very threatening imagery, right? And you're scaring mm-hmm. all the wimps away. And that's something that I think it's a good topic for us to discuss. Like, 
Um, I played a, a show up in Buffalo, New York one time, and this band Insanity was on the bill. And they were talking about how the death metal culture has shifted and became more social where people were just like drinking beer and have a good time and all that, not really caring much about the music. Um, when there was an influx of like Metallica jocks and all that coming in, um, what are your thoughts on that? Where a lot of, you know, people that weren't really in the inner circle of death metal, where a lot of these, you put up like a, a, a wall basically of all the threatening imagery just to keep the wimps at bay, like a little fortress. What are your thoughts about, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote false people or jocks coming and penetrating that, that wall and making, they're essentially neutering uh, metal. What are your thoughts on that? I, I hate it. I notice it. I don't know what I could do to combat it other than like bring it up and like question them. But I kind of know what I like. And, uh, I think people are still kind of strict. Like the, the older people who've, who've been around, like back in the day, like before we started, we, we would go to like a lot of punk and hardcore shows and like real heavy bands, not like New York hardcore style. And uh, it was kind of like dangerous back then. There's a chance that you could get your ass kicked at a show. And uh, it was more real in that not, there was no way to like sneak into it like there is now with the internet. So these people today without roots or it's kind of hard for me to put into words. I, I can see where like your friends coming from doing that. Like yeah. when well, I was, when I was having lunch with Daniel or dinner, rather the waiter came over, like wearing a man bun gave, gave <laughs> us our shit and he left and I said, if that guy was in a black metal band, that's the kind of shit that I hate. Because now it's everybody could do it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't. Black metal's like you don't go to school. Course. It, but. Yeah, black metal's kind of changed course where I guess nowadays they call it like post black metal. Where I hate anything post. Yeah, it's like they bring in all these indie rock influences, and people still call it black metal. And you listen to the music, I'm like, that's no, not black metal. That's literally rock riffs, indie rock. It is um, with you know black metal textures. Well, I was uh, gonna say, sorry, going. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just I hate anything post to me is like lack of true feeling and and vision. That's another thing I can't stop. If I could, I probably would. If it was like these names that are being added to it, like post black metal, you know, post hardcore. And then everybody hears that and kind of believes it. If that makes sense. Like they, they like honor that word and like keep it going. And then it's, it's like a, it, it becomes like a real thing where everybody's invited. Yeah. You know, there's, there's like two camps, like you brought up. There's the, the old, some of the old timers who, uh, they're very, very strict about, you know, what black metal is. Um, and then there's a the new camp where everything goes, you know, it's, um, but the old days, like 
like you were saying, it was like people could get beat up at shows. It was more of a wild west. Um, it was more dangerous. And that's why you're drawn to it. I mean, you're creating extreme music and extreme environment. Nowadays, it's the complete opposite. Sure, maybe a wild west with the music that's being produced. Um, as in, you know, everyone's welcome from all walks of life and whatever their influences may be. But it's not dangerous. Everything's accepted. Um, so yeah. it's really two different camps there about what black metal is nowadays. Um, it's gone through a, a, a few different points in evolution, if you want to call it an evolution or, you know, or it's D, yeah. um, you know, going the the opposite direction um and turning into rock music or something like that but uh um it's kind of interesting um uh, you know went through that really high commercial period of like Demi Borgir and things like that where it was all like carnival music and uh -huh. very you know high production carnival music and now it's morphed into like pretty much indie rock um being really uh commercially viable and it just shows like a lot of these newer people getting into it they're not really into the the roots of black metal of keeping it evil and dangerous. Yeah, um, you can't fault somebody for also for their age, like when they were born, when they got into it. But now that we do have internet, they should be going back and looking at their everybody's earlier stuff, because everybody's earlier stuff is usually better than their later stuff. And, uh, Except for Fanatica, you guys have kept literally the same sound. I mean, the production's thanks, gotten better. Um, but yeah, I would place on part of your newer material, you know, on the same level as the older material. But you're right, a lot cool. of the bands, they do, uh, they kind of, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they catch like commercial success and they want more of that, or they just get burnt out of writing music. They don't have any ideas anymore. I, it could be. I like the shit is like when I'm in the zone, me and Adam, it's, it's really easy to create. It, it can't be forced. And of course, like we're human, we get stuck on certain things and don't have like an exit for like a riff or something. And we'll just put it away and go back to it. But it comes together pretty smooth. And when I took like long breaks, it wasn't because I got like sick of the scene or sick of the people. It's just, I didn't have people with me that were like wanted to do it. And every time I tried to like coerce somebody, Oh, this guy could play it. Maybe I'll just kind of show them my system and how it works. It, it wasn't really the best. So now with like my, my guys now they're like fully behind it and they understand. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, Sorry, go on. I, no, I keep going like off the subject, but it's pretty much all like the same principles, I, I would say. Uh, I don't know about posts. There was it, when people were like breaking my balls about doing Daniel's book. And uh, I asked him right from the get go, are you putting this band? Why are you putting these bands in there? And he said, I'm putting everybody in there. Uh, it's up to them to kind of tell their story. So, yeah, it comes back to um, this idea you were talking about with genres uh, like post and whatnot, and it, it tends to make people second guess what they're doing because they're thinking about 
what do these genres mean and how do I write something that fits into that? Whereas you look at someone like Profanatica and it's um, broadly speaking black metal, but not how a lot of people would understand black metal, but there's not really any other term to describe it. And that in a sense kind of gives you the freedom to just keep doing what you're doing without like mulling over whether it's post X, Y, or Z or is or that, like you can just go, it's Profanatica and here, here it is like. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'll, I'll take that, like, as a compliment, too. Also, Incantation, some of their newer stuff is, like, a hair different. It's some different ideas here and there, but it's still them. It's not like they're changing their, like, format. Or yeah. I like to call it, like, a system. Yeah, it's this, it's, because when we talk about, like, keeping it, true and authentic people often level the accusation that you just keep doing the same thing over and over again but i every profanatica album is different um and it has a very different kind of aesthetic even though it's still using the same basic materials in the same way as like incantation like they've stayed true to what incantation are but you can tell each album apart really well yeah that's uh, maybe that's not easy to do We're, we're we got pretty good at it through the years I don't know how people and I don't know how many shows like some of these uh, Norwegian bands played. Maybe they, they get sick of their old stuff and they want faster material. I don't, I don't know like what their kind of goal is. Well, you know yeah, I mean? they, um, they've all, they're not like the original, like themselves. Yeah. The original Norwegian guard have all massively changed their ethos and their sound which as you said it's their music they can do what they like but uh there's something in that where they kind of they weren't able to stick with what made them unique in a certain way without kind of changing like emperor went to quite progressive kind of metal direction and dark throne just went to play like old school metal and so on they never kind of stuck with the same style I, I'm so fucking irked that the new Dark Throne album is called Eternal Hails. It cannot be a worse fucking <laughs> song or album title ever. And they've become like this like running parody of themselves now. Yeah. It's it's all like an end joke with their music. And I can't stand that. And it people say they can pull it off because they're Dark Throne, but you know, you can grant someone a little bit of sin here and there. But when they just become like a parody of themselves, it's like, yeah, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna even listen to one song from that. It's just the, the title is so fucking stupid. I don't want to give it any attention. I mean, I, I don't know how long is enough time that a band could say we could do whatever the fuck we want. Like, I, I don't know how much time has to go by before they feel that. And and for me to sell out or change like in terms of making money it would have to be a lot a lot of money you know (laughs) what i mean like i couldn't do it even if i tried like this is kind of what what comes out i just thought of a really really good tour for you so you know how you kind of shock the world by showing your penis which i look for that impaled in nazarene uh image and what came up when i typed in impaled nazarene uh, naked, I typed in impelled Nazarene naked in Google. Um, what came up was your p- image in Profanatica, actually. <laughs> I did not see there, so it's not on the Google yet. Um, but what else? I'll send speaking? it to you. 
<laughs> okay, uh, I'll get their penises in my inbox. So looking forward to that. But okay, what yeah. I was thinking is that uh, you know Miley Cyrus is exposing herself nowadays. So uh, and that's accepted. She's making a shit ton of money. Perhaps like you could open for Miley Cyrus. Like she could you know show her boobs on stage and you can just throw your dick out. And while you're opening, it'll be like the complete package. Like you know the, mean- the legends who expose themselves. The legends. You know, legend of American black metal and a little pop star. You know, I just thought it was a funny little tour package. Yeah, I don't I don't want people like like there's pop people wearing like death metal shirts. I don't like that. I don't spend a lot of time like looking for it and talking about it. Um, But it's annoying, you know, to have these rappers wear like more of an angel and obituary shirts. I think it was Kim Kardashian who... Yeah, but uh, there's there's so much stuff to to complain about and get angry about. So yeah, I have to well, like pick pick my battles. Yeah, the culture of metals completely changed from what it used to be, and we talked a little bit about the evolution of that commercial peak stage where it probably did more damage than good. And nowadays, it's just. Uh, a mishmash of a lot of different influences that aren't even really metal. Like I don't think uh, rock, even hard rock is, you know, related to metal. Um, I think they're completely separate because metal is, you know, is threatening, is dangerous. Whereas rock is, you know, you just put it on, have a couple beers and talk about NASCAR or whatnot. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a profound medium of music like metal is. No, it's not. But there's another thing is that I was a fan of that band Riot from New York. They were like a hard rock band in the late 70s, early 80s. But when they put out Fire Down Under, it was metal. And there's different reasons for for things to be metal, too. One is definitely the production. And two is like their intent, if that makes sense. Like how we see like a lot of bands... we've only played with two bands you know, out, of, out of like, you know, I don't know how many at fest that hit, hit their instruments properly. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I've, seen, uh, I've seen some black metal bands that don't even tune their guitars. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. That, but I, I'm talking about like, uh, like Kirk Hammett, for example, he doesn't like, I don't play guitar and people are going to get angry at this, but like, he doesn't hit the strings with enough authority for me. It's just so feminine. If that makes sense. Where somebody like Jeff Hanneman really knew how to pick. Yeah. Kirk Hammett also realized too much on the wall pedal. It's like his little baby was wah, 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 wah. Um, and I think that kind of detracts. I think it's just, if he didn't have the wall pedal and abuse it so much that he would focus more on what he is actually, you know, soloing. But that's a good point. Like Jeff Hanneman, he, he played with authority. Like you said, it yeah. was more authentic. Um, plus you look at the commercial success of Metallica it just speaks for itself of why it might be a little more feminine. Um, another controversial thing is like, you know, a lot of commercial music could be uh, deemed effeminate to a degree. Um, because it's catering to everyone it's 
it's not dangerous it's not threatening um and a lot of like i would say like extreme metal and your music especially is very uh masculine yeah uh it should be all right so one band we played with that like hit properly in my opinion was dead congregation we played uh cast ascend fest with those guys so that's like the real deal and let's say you don't like them or you do like them they like bulldozed over all the other weak bands at the fest just just with their like attack alone forget about if you like or don't like their songs like for me that's crucial now no we often when we're practicing uh i'll say play something lame like a norwegian style riff or euro style riff and our guitarist could play it perfectly i could play those drums like with one hand and i'll put in phony lyrics about like walking in the woods with a torch and i use the ride symbol a lot you know just like for a goof but it sounds exactly like that garbage kind of coming out of europe yeah interesting i I don't i don't know if you guys like that stuff i don't want to be insulting but like Uh, i know i do holocaust you you like that shit i do but i um i've uh followed you for a long time so i've seen i've seen interviews of you where you do uh shit on norwegian black metal so i'm fully aware of like your your views on it okay like i can totally see where you're coming from uh and i respect like so the context of it and stuff but obviously like i grew up with that my first like black metal album was an emperor album so it's has that sentimental value for me as well as like i think we're playing uh at the same gig with them at uh that vegas psycho vegas okay um, i think i saw I a flyer I, for that it's like four nights right or four different states yeah I, yeah yeah, definitely different. They're headlining one of the nights. Yeah, that like one's like a small. massive festival. That should be fun for you. I am going to shut down the, the cold winter moon there, though. I always say that. And you got people that are like, oh, like, here's the other thing. Like, time's still going, like, even as we speak. So 20 years seems like yesterday to me. I'm like, that's not, you know, 2001 is not old, you know? Like 88 or 86 to 90 is kind of old and and people can't help their age again. If they weren't even born, obviously they can't go to a show. But for me, when somebody's like, Oh, I, I got into it at like 2001, it doesn't seem that seems new still to me. Hey, Mr. Lidney, can I blow your mind for a second here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. People born in the year 2000 are now legally able to buy alcohol. They're 21. So it's crazy. It blows my mind. I was born in 1984, but it still blows my mind. It's like, damn, this fucking millennial babies, you know, the millennium babies are are able to buy freaking booze now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm old. (laughs) My, My oldest son is 19. Uh He's not a metalhead, but the the younger two are. And I, and okay. I just like you know I we listen to it in the car and whatnot, but like I didn't push anything, and uh, they they kind of went and found it on their own 
like the real the my middle son likes older shit like Deep Purple, Aerosmith, like old Kiss, more more hard rock kind of shit. Yeah. But uh so another thing is like my, like we played a, a we played the Hell's Head Bash Fest and uh Satanic Warmaster, I think, headlined that. My wife digs those guys. And I'm like, I hope you know the difference between us and them. And she goes, yes, of course. I like both styles. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean I'm the same. I dig, yeah, I dig okay. both styles. but so, I mean, I, like, my guys like both styles, too. Yeah. Now, now. Okay, how did you meet I mean, your wife? Um, was it the image of your dick? And she's like, ooh, it was like, this guy is well endowed. It was like, I want to... No. <laughs> no, like, those pictures, like, I wasn't in the zone, so to speak. And it, those kind of took a long time. We were getting destroyed by, like, uh, mosquitoes and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of sucked, but... Uh, I met well, they're infamous now. Actually, yeah. Um, I don't know. I you. Sorry, I wanted to just um, go ahead because uh, while uh, while we're on, I can't not talk about your other project, um, which I've never actually heard another person say out loud. But it's Jehovah Backwards. Uh, how yeah. how do you pronounce it? Havoje or Havoyedge? Havoyedge, yeah. Havoyedge, yeah. That's how I've always pronounced it. Because I've never met anyone. Um, else who's a fan of them i've never heard someone say it out loud but um anyway yeah so have a hedge is another like outlet for you but it's it's interesting because it's gone in a much more like experimental drone noise direction which and still recognizably black metal and your drums are still really identifiable on on your latest uh, album table of uncreation but it's it's an interesting little kind of projects that few few of our artists are kind of like tapping into that um just wondered if you'd sort of um any thoughts on the latest album or any plans for that project going forward or well the the last one the table of uncreation that i kind of am proud of that one because i I, that one and the new newest profanaticon season of mist we i spent like a long like i paid close attention of how the songs run into each other um, and like what kind of feel it was going to begin with and end with, even though they're all, it's all this clearly the same style. I, uh, put more attention into detail on those two. So I'm kind of, I'm proud of those two, but Adam, my guitar player wrote like 98% of the new Profanatica. Like he had it pretty much. We had plenty of riffs. We'd go back and forth with riffs. I played him on the keyboard. I would uh, just email him over to him and he'll play him back to me. And I'm like, he's like, I picture this like kind of really one of your slow beats. And uh, mm. I'm like, I'm picturing something kind of fast, but, but on the have a hedge, uh, it's really like I'm using industrial tools to play black metal, if that makes sense. And instead of the guitar and bass, it's just like loops of explosions kind of going off. 
Yeah, because uh, your previous album like, is like that sort of like static noise and then like a, a synth note or what sounds like a choir note will burst out of it and then just play like singularly for ages. And... Yeah. And I, there's, I, I guess the new one I'm most proud of, I paid close attention to like how, like it was done beginning to end instead of like, and I'm not saying I didn't care. I just was probably a little more lazy in the studio, but it took a long time because I've been working with the same guy since probably 94. And uh, I'm like, these notes have to breathe. And he's like, but there's, there's no riffs. And I'm like, I know, just let it go on. Almost like a drone, but like a black evil drone. Yeah, almost got like a vibe, like almost like metal meets noise. Um, it was just really cool. Like, I love the production on it. I don't know if you produced it yourself, but uh, it's very I effective. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, the production on it is very effective where you're able to bring out those textures and they're very menacing textures, a little bit outside of like the canonical metal textures. And you're able to just create these hellish landscapes. And it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, definitely enjoyed the last one. Um, so you're working on new material for the new Profanatica, is that correct? We are, we're, we are, we're writing right now and, and the stuff is good. It sounds like similar to like what we always did with that newer, we kind of upped the ante and had that newer production. It's more wet and it sounds, it should sound similar to how we sound live that makes sense cool uh where did the idea come from to dress up as nuns so like our cloths now are not male or female they're it's just we're like our own beings if you will and uh i think that i didn't want to do like leather and spikes we've always kind of worn different stuff and if you look at old pictures of us, there's always like turtlenecks involved, mainly because like that's the only black shit that we could find that didn't have like other band logos on it. And we were like kids, you know, so we just got what we could. But I was going to mention that because it, it spikes, but it does create quite a unique image when you look at the early promo shots for Profanatica and you've got, you know, you've got the the corpse paint or war paint or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you're wearing, yeah, you're wearing sort of black polo necks, which it sounds silly when you on paper, but when you see the photos, they, they do like set you apart from like most of what other bands were doing at the time. Like, Yeah. Thanks. It, it like, uh, I know like when we did the Watain tour, Eric was like, did you bring a, a turtleneck? I'm like, no, man, why? He's like, those are badass. I'm like, oh, thanks. It's definitely a unique aesthetic and that, you know, you're the only band that I know of who has done that. And kind of like when I look at the early promo pictures, other than the, the one that you guys are in the buff, um, I kind of get like, you guys are actually really smart. You guys are, I know uh, Pro Fanatic, I read an uh, interview years ago that it was actually a college professor who uh, coined that for you and he ran with it and created one of the most blasphemous 
blasphemous bands ever, um, which is awesome. Um, usually you don't really see like academics, you know, influencing uh, even a name or anything like that. Usually academics are just like stuck with uh, the repertoire that, you know, they teach and all that. Um, so it's really cool that, you know, a, a professor came up, it's like Profanatica, it was like the most blasphemous thing. And he just fucking ran with it and he created the most blasphemous uh, black metal. Um, so, yeah, about the imagery, other than the one that you're in the buff, um, even like the quote unquote nun kind of outfits you guys had, I mean, it looks very sophisticated. And then you guys come up playing, you know, very barbaric, primitive uh, metal. So it's kind of like this juxtaposition between the two aesthetics. It's like you kind of get this feeling that these guys are very sophisticated, very intellectual, um, but then the music they actually have presented in front of you, it's fucking, to the average person, it would terrify the fuck out of them. Okay, cool. I like, I like all of that. One thing I did want to mention is you are a very uh, blasphemous, anti-Christian band, but you never... You never go into the occult or Satan, uh, satanic themes in the same way that a lot of other black metal bands did at the time. Is that something you consciously avoided? Was it just... Uh, uh, God, that's like a long discussion. So I'll just kind of... I'll, I'll just tell it this naturally. Um, okay. And just kind of just be blunt with it. To us... There's nothing supernatural on this planet. And I am, I come from the camp of uh, James Randi, who back in the seventies till now, uh, had like a million dollars on the table to anybody that could do anything supernatural. And nobody's even come close. And I'll just say, that if you want to read this book that he wrote called Flim Flam, he exposes all like the phony occultists and everything in it. Whereas to, he could prove that it doesn't exist and they cannot prove that it does. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I've, so, I've seen stuff on TV like that with like magicians and stuff trying to con people essentially. And so, yeah, it was very cool that you're into that material. So you don't believe in anything supernatural or just little human yeast on the planet um, living outer days. And, you know, it continues on with future gener generations. So, yeah, I, here's like as as things change and like science has explanations for stuff look at like what they thought was black magic in the old days kind of thing now here's the other my other problem with it is that the, these bands that are quote unquote occult masters they can't go more than 20 minutes at a gig before frantically searching for cocaine <laughs> that, that's my other point and they have to refill their beers every fucking 10 seconds. Yeah. Giant beers. Um, you are, you are very so, correct. Um, have you heard of terrorism that band? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that guy definitely abuses a lot of, uh, narcotics. 
Um, but he very, very, very smart and intellectual. Um, but uh, yeah, he's writing like grimoires now, trying to come up with all the names of like God or something and conjuring up, you know, the most like horrific, you know, types of things in reality. But, you know, reality comes around and it's like, yeah, I still don't see like a Lovecraftian deity hovering over the earth trying to smite our little civilization, civilization or anything like that. But yeah, was, so you're, you're more, uh, you would claim you're an atheist. Is that correct? Uh, no. Uh, I guess. I, I'm, I don't know. How's that? Yeah, no, yeah. agnostic. Nobody is. Yeah, I, I I tend to fall in the camp of a deist, which means that I I think you know life as it is is way too complex um, to just arise by itself. However, I don't think there's a god you know guiding the way. Like God is separate um, from our reality, which is you know very anti anti Christian if you consider that. And more of like a monist, a non-dualist in that stance. Um, but you know, there, there's atheism. I think is is kind of getting a bad name nowadays because most of the, most of those atheists are really just secular humanists, where they're accepting of everybody and everything and all these different ideologies as long as you know they're accepting you know of everything. So I, I think atheism is kind of dwarfed into something else than what it used to be in like classical times like you look at arthur schopenhauer who was a philosopher he was really inspired a lot by like hindu philosophy and you know german idealism and he he held like there's a higher power there's like the thing in itself which is unintelligible to our monkey brains and even back then he was called an atheist but nowadays um atheism is just all about the scientific method and accepting everybody um, who shares the same views like that and secular, very secular humanists. Um, so it's kind of, there's more like a political ideology behind uh, atheism nowadays. Shelley, do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I would agree um, in that like atheism is sort of a factual claim about the world. Uh, but recently in the last decade or two, it has become more of a sort of political uh position uh and yeah you're right to link it back to humanism but to bring to bring the discussion back to metal i was gonna sort of point out or make the point that like a lot of a lot of bands that use satan or the occult in their lyrics are often doing it as like a metaphor or a symbol for dissent they don't literally believe that satan is real or whatever they're, they're using him as like a, a message or a, a symbol for you know, acts of rebellion and stuff. But the interesting thing about what Profanatica do is they're, they're very much like anti, um, they sort of define themselves as adversarial necessarily. You're like anti-symbols and anti um, these kind of messages. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm putting words in your mouth, Paul, but like that's, that's how it's always struck me is why you stand out because you always tear down these symbols. You make, that's your, like the root motivation behind Profanatica. It, it is. Uh, I always say, like, picture, like, a beautiful religious painting, and then I take, like, a giant roller and dip it in black and just start rolling over that painting. That's that's kind of, like, what I want to do. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we definitely took a lot of shit for that in the early days. There was like, uh, zines were the only way to communicate. Right. And, uh, everybody's like, yeah, but what brand of Satanism do you practice? And we're like, <laughs> none. We're our own people. You know what I mean? Uh, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're, we're higher level than that. And they're like, but how, how could you do that? And I'm like the same way, like the church did it. We just claimed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we're untouchable and people are like, but I don't get it. You know, the, from other countries, they were kind of freaked out. And I'm like, just make up your own fucking mind, dude. That's kind of not that hard of a concept. What I really love uh, about some black metal aesthetic in America is like Grand Blyle's Key putting like corpse paint on Jesus and things like that, where it, it really elevates that imagery where it's like this great, you know, like a religious painting or something like that. And they'll just put like corpse paint on it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's fucking metal. It like totally inverts <laughs> the message of that painting. And it works. It's very effective stuff. It is. And it's also funny. And it also like upsets people a little bit. Like back then it was because there wasn't like that many people into it. It was the other bands that were kind of like freaked out and upset by our message, even though they were like death metal bands. A lot of them from, a lot of them are, were uh, from New York too. Yeah. I think and that's were, one of the, they were like, uh, what the hell? I think they thought we were kidding. And I'm like, we're not. Our set <laughs> is short. Like, they thought it was a joke and they were like kind of scared. I think I that's one of the problems in, uh, in Europe is uh, we tend to take black metal too seriously. And I think the problem that people have with a lot of American black metal is it's really good stuff, but it has that element of humor to it or just like trolling people or whatever. And that's just that humor is a really powerful tool or just, you know, fucking with people is a really powerful tool. And I think in Europe, we sometimes, well, maybe not in Britain, because we don't really have serious white metal here, but on the continent, definitely, they sometimes take it a little bit too seriously sometimes. Yeah, it is. Uh, the other thing is, this is like a huge subject, but we, when we played in France, in Paris, the Watain crowds were different than the crowds we would normally get. If that makes sense, uh, it wasn't this. It wasn't the same people. A different how? So, uh, more commercial people that didn't necessarily like black metal, but they liked Watain. Right. If you okay. know what I'm talking about, yeah. that kind of like we we used we didn't have our own sound person or light person. We used the house person in Paris, and we. I thought we blistered through our set because it was like, I don't know, night 10 or 20 or whatever. And uh, I always thank the sound people and the light people after because uh, they, they're doing the best they can. They don't know our, our shit really. You know what I mean? We don't have our own people. It's, it's kind of like you have to be cool to them. You don't want to like insult the chef at a restaurant. Yeah. Either, yeah, you know? So I said to the girl, what the hell happened? She goes, I was in shock. Like, 
And I'm like, that's fucking great. Are you serious? Like she didn't touch the lights for the first two songs. <laughs> and I was like, I love that, that that's still a thing. Cause you know, like the shock wears off after a while people get used to it. We're not up there trying to shock. We're just like going through our emotions naturally. Another show was a fest, that tyrant fest. And the sound guy goes, so, uh, I'll cut the house music. Then you guys go on stage. And I'm like, or leave the house music on. I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> and he was like, kind of like what? So I, we really don't care, but there is a little bit of element of humor and we don't really have characters to break. If that makes sense where like these other bands, we play with a lot of like Euro style bands that we're friends with all these guys, even though I might not like listen to their shit. Uh, and I always say like, if we were on a desert Island would that guy, like break character and think things are funny or like be real. Yeah. You can see their trueness in isolation. If you were to spend a lot of time with an individual for one of those bands, you can see over time like what their modus operandi is and if it meshes with quote-unquote trueness or how you approach black metal. It may be like the antithesis of it. Um, I see that with a lot of people. Honestly, I've heard like even like the – heard this from a reliable source, so hopefully I don't get played alive for saying this, that uh, one of the guys from uh, Black Witchery really likes like Demi Borgir. And that completely blindsided me because you look at how they present themselves in the music that they play. And here they are listening to literally the pop version of the music that they're into. So it's, it's kind of a lot of those guys like, like this opens up a really good question, which I want to get into after I'm done, you know, talking a little bit mm -hmm. about that. But uh, um I, I think it's human nature to want to experience a lot of different, you know, things. And, you know, you know, people go on vacations, go to the Grand Canyon or go to a different country or something like that just for that experience. And I think the same can be said about music where, um, like, I think if someone listens to war metal for 100% of their musical intake, that they could end up with, like, cognitive dissonance a little bit. But... Um, when it comes to like, you know, the, the black witchery guy listening to very false music, it really like makes it seem like their own music is inauthentic. Uh, if it, okay. How about this? Because I love that band and that's true. U.S. black metal to me. I, I hope that's not true, but it would be better if he didn't try to hide it and just said, I'm into all sorts of shit. And I also like this shit, believe it or not. You know what I mean? Like if he just kind of came out with it. Yeah. I heard it from a reliable change. source, um, but you know, it, it could just be a rumor, but I, like I said, maybe he's, um, maybe he's listening to Dylan Borger as a, as a, like a roadmap for how not to do it. Maybe um, <laughs> no. I, I heard for other, you know, guys that are quote unquote, true cultists, whatever, listening to newer, you know, stuff by that band. And I say newer, like 20 years old at this point, but, uh, um, yeah. but, uh, so this kind of segues into a question that I had, 
what kind of music do you listen to outside of metal? Like, is there like any metal adjacent projects, you know, that are really uh, like close to metal that you like? Yeah. So most of, uh, shit that, that we grew up on listening to was like hardcore, like bands, like poison idea, this band siege from Boston. I don't know if you remember them. Um, it was like almost not really grindcore psycho from Boston, but like pre the bands that like influenced some people like Napalm Death. Right. Yeah. So I like a lot of that. I we I also like in '89. Uh, we were doing this 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 backup project for Gigi Allen, Bloody Apostles. And uh, I don't know if you heard this story already. No, c- continue. Um, all right, so I was in contact with him and uh, just ordering shit. And somebody from my town had like a record store and a label. He released punk and hardcore stuff and said, uh, Gigi's coming. If you want to play two shows to back him up, we could start something. And I go, okay, but I want to record. And, uh, this is God. I, I think I was 19. So we, we created, like we picked the songs checked it checked it with him and, and i said i want to do like a real heavy project because nobody's done like anything heavy with him up until that point you know and his backup bands in my opinion were shitty so i'm like we're going to be tighter and heavier and he's like i love it and i started sending him titles and lyrics and he's like this is fucking great and i'll make this story short by saying that we had a show scheduled in suny new york and in New York city. And he brought a backup band with him when he came up. And my guy, Malcolm said, uh, you're not going to believe this, but Gigi brought a backup band to our gig. That's like bringing a really hot chick on a date. And I'm like, why the fuck would he do that? I'll tell him I'm not going. So like, this is over the phone. I was just 19. He would have killed me back then. But I was just like, dude, go fuck yourself. Like we spent six months creating like a whole, not only a whole set, but like six, six or seven originals that are really good. We also came up with all the titles for him and wrote the, all he had to do is like step in and sing. So, uh, that recording never happened. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, and then it was like right after that that uh God, it must have been like a week after that 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 professor came up with a name for me and I drew that angel. But both that angel and the Provenautica logo were kind of drawn out of anger between what happened with incantation and John kind of reformed without us knowing. And Gigi kind of fucked up our thing. Would you, so, would you say that those... uh, your experience with Gigi Allen and especially the shock value of him smearing feces and all that at shows and that guy was a wild animal. Um, would you say that that 
influence your imagery a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, here's the other thing. Like, we love that shit so much that it was, like, inherent in us and came out in the music. Looking back, though, because we kind of reformed the Bloody Apostles, thank God, without Gigi. But we got uh, P.P. Duvet, the real singer of the Murder Junkies, in my opinion, who, who lives like in Connecticut about 10 minutes from me. So we are like reforming. We're doing some of those old songs. And uh, we've actually played Kyle's Fest two weeks ago. But yeah, that his his shit and his attack definitely influenced me. Also, there's there's a lot there's a lot of shit that that uh, came out that I was like, wow, where's this coming from? This is this these these ideas I'm having are great kind of thing. And I, I want to say like our short set came from him without me even realizing it. What's really you interesting? Just come uh, on about your two songs and leave hmm. what's really interesting about uh the presentation that you give um it's very iconic um everything that you do um from the imagery that you know you present to everybody whether it's in the buff or dress as a nun or whatever to uh your your song titles and all that and lyrics you have a song called literally angel with cock and you, you know everyone's <laughs> you know, thinks that, you know, angels don't have a specific gender or anything like that. No, you give them a gender, you make them have a penis and you have a song about it. <laughs> so it's very iconic. Um, so Covered in black shit. That's my favorite. Yeah. Song title. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of very well, iconic things. What, you know, uh, that, that one track where it's just vocals and you're like, you know, covered in black shit or, you know, it's just all the most profane things that you can come up with and you just spew it out for its own track without any music. Well, the, the punk connection is there. You can hear it. Definitely. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, so I, yeah, I guess so. I, I, it was definitely influenced, but I get, like when I see something like influence, I'm like, oh, they must listen to a lot of this. Or they must listen to a lot of that. I could tell when it's like real or like a copy. That makes sense. Like there's a oh, couple no, of yeah. There's the old Black Witchery. The EP sounded a lot like Profanatica. Shortly after that, it sounded more and more like Blasphemy. But it was, you could tell that it was at the time real and just kind of coming out of there. Whereas some of these bands, uh, will just group a bunch of different genres and put their favorite riffs or styles together. Yeah. I'm not saying that's, that's... I'm like the metal police, but I'm not, I'm not trying to police anybody, but I could tell when something's like real. Oh no, definitely. When you're so authentic though. when you're so authentic, you know, with everything that you do, especially, you know, now for like over 30 years, um, you can, you can kind of smell bullshit, you know, when it comes around your way. So um, definitely, I, I think, you know, if there is to be a gatekeeper for what is true and what isn't, uh, it should be Mr. Paul Ledney 
um, just to be like, okay, no, that's false. You you fucking listen to Madonna when you're bored. Come on, dude. Like, fuck off. And then... (laughs) And then you'll have, you know, like a true, you know, guy come through and it's like, okay, you can send a little bit, but not too much. As long as you keep it true, you're welcome. <laughs> so I, I, I think you being the, the police captain or the gatekeeper, whatever you want to call it, um, you should be the metal authority. And cool. if, if you smell bullshit, you should call it out. <laughs> well, there was like some Nazi shit happening at, uh, at the fast two weeks ago. And uh, I went over to them and I said, because there was a ton of them, and I'm like, guys, my problem is that you're, if somebody says they like NS black metal, you're welcoming, welcoming them into the group. And they're like, we don't do that. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, if somebody's like, oh, I like this band, I like that band, and they're all like geared towards Nazi shit you're like letting them come in with open arms. And I'm like, that's just fake. You know what I mean? Well, it like, is. And yeah. I brought this up a few times on this podcast. Usually if music is more about a political message, then it's not really about the music. You know, it's music's just tacked on behind the, the political message. And usually the, the music suffers because of it. Um, but from my experience with talking to a lot of the old guard, uh, yourself included, um, would be, uh, uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties, like you're speaking about all the fighting and stuff that happened at shows. It was a wild west. There was also a Nazi influx, uh, neo-Nazis, like the real, you know, skinhead types going to a lot of metal shows and it's nothing, you know, like it is nowadays where, there might be like, you know, a few, you know, skinheads or something like that. But back then it was actually really prominent. It was actually an issue. Um, and nowadays, like when, pe- like you're talking about that festival, it's probably just a whole bunch of uh, a drunk pecker, which is like, oh yeah, probably be white or what whatnot. And it, it, look, it was. And you look at these guys like in isolation, you can see that they're just really, they hate their day job, blah, 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 blah. And they were just taking out their frustration at that one point in time, um, rather than actually being like, I know Craig Pillard's very outspoken about uh, his views, which is very one dimensional. Um, and I, I think, you know, you listen, I've never actually paid much attention to his like more edgier projects, but um I, I don't think they've actually succeeded on a musical level. I know Dismo did pretty well. I had the yeah, sound, um, but uh, is more edgy or projects like Durst Sturmer or whatever. Um, uh-huh. People don't really pay much attention to that because uh, the musical aspect isn't there. And it's Craig Pillar being uh, quite edgy, but I don't think nowadays there's really like a, a Nazi problem, uh, a skinhead problem. Like it was in like the eight, late 90s to, no. or late 80s early 90s so um it might There's have just been a whole bunch of drunk people just like oh yeah it's like blah 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 let's be edgy for this one time while we're drunk or whatnot but probably not like they're probably not involved in any political movement like uh it was back then um in the early days of metal there was you're right and it was like those guys back then in the late 80s, I want to say it was like from 86 to like 92 that they were at shows. And those guys would fuck you up if you looked at them the wrong way. Like, people are like, oh, there's a Nazi fest happening. And I'm like, those 
those little fat kids at the fest are just nerds trying to belong. That that's you know what I mean? Like today. Yeah. There was a real issue with it and, and those guys were like serious business back then. Yeah, it's kinda like the on the opposite spectrum. It's like nowadays we have like the, the social justice people and all that where and it, there's quite a few journalists and metal nowadays who uh, try to be there is. Um, and there that's is. going on where they, they're trying to find, you know, controversial things in a lot of different bands where someone may have like a Nazi reference, like in Slayer, for instance, you know, the Angelo Depp song, there's, you know, yeah. all that, but they're trying to find it in other bands. Obviously Slayer is too high profile to go after, but they're trying to find like Marduk and bands of that. Ilk. And they're, they're trying to really, you know, they're, they're, they're grasping at straws. They're not really, they don't have much ground to stand on when they're going for that because it's not really an issue. Uh, back well, my, view on, my, my view on that is why the fuck are you listening to black metal if you're after those kind of things? If you're going to look for specific references to, I, I don't know, Panzer Division Marduk or like stuff like that, why, why are you listening to black metal in the first place? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I agree. There's plenty of other things. I mean... I noticed they don't. Are they going after movies too? Like anybody with a little, a little bit of power and money could like crush them. I would feel. And what kind of person is going to allow themselves to get canceled? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, like I know it's not an issue these days, like it was in the yeah. What we were saying earlier. Because I when we played in Mexico City, I said to the promoter, "I'm like, where are the drug lords?" And he goes, "God, I don't know. Where are the Nazis in America?" And I'm like, "Good question." I'm not saying that there isn't Nazis in America or drug lords, but th- there's certainly not like a big problem, like as if you would hear it on the news. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, people, you know those people if they came upon i remember in in the 80s probably because i was a kid and at a show these guys looked jacked to me and like much bigger like everybody like lifted back then and and these guys would like fuck you up and uh they wouldn't dare try to cancel them now well, it's mean, that, you know it's that stereotype like you said like by the 2000s, everyone had the internet. So everyone was kind of sat at home alone and discovering all this stuff. So the image of like a skinhead Nazi now is basically a lonely nerd that didn't make yeah. friends when they were a kid. Whereas back in the day, they were actually properly dangerous, but now they're just, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Oh, um, so yeah, we have uh, talked a little bit over an hour so. Give, oh shit! Give the five minute so, warning. Um, so, Mr. Ledney, I definitely want to thank you for being on the program. Do you have any like last thoughts about metal as a whole nowadays? Anything that you really want to get off your chest? Uh, no, not really. I would just say like that. I keep stressing that U.S. black metal like is a style more than a location. It's like when I, I talked to Daniel about his book in the first five minutes before we started the interview, and he goes, I got to stop you right there. You're going to hate every, what everybody else said. 
And I go, really? Why? And he goes, it's like the complete opposite of what you're telling me. So I would just like stress that even in the book, even let's just say some of those bands are amazing. It's not U.S. black metal. It's just a cheap copy of the Euro style. And they happen to live in America. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around bands like Liturgy and things like that, where they draw in all these influences outside of metal. Um, and I, I, I consider you the real deal. And it, Thanks, a, few, a few other bands. I think Black Funeral is definitely true USBM. Uh-huh. Um, it is. I'd say yeah. like Black Funeral, Absu, Von, that kind of shit is what I understand by a US black metal. As sort of the- and Black Witchery. They're Black, yeah, black They're Witchery. US black metal. Yeah. They're not the only ones. There's other people doing it too. But uh, that, that's, like, that's crazy that... Uh, yeah, it's, it's more like people get focused on a location. Here's the other thing I'll tell you quick. Like with influences, I get influenced by lots of different things and steal ideas from lots of different things. But I think I know how to apply it properly into Profanatica or Have a Hedge to well, where I'll hide it and disguise it. I'll make it. If it doesn't fit, I won't use it. That's what I was going to say is Profanatica has a very direct and identifiable sound but it's very rare that i hear a band that's directly ripping you off like which is interesting yeah i often wonder like there's thousands of dark throne ripoffs and very few people like kind of taking our style which i'd take as a i'd take as a like form of flattery because it just means that you that that authenticity that we mentioned earlier is kind of it's just very hard to replicate um yeah, even though the style is very all right, cool. Thanks. Direct. Yeah. So, um, who do you have? Who do you have next? I suggest I come back for part two. Part two, really? You enjoyed it so yeah. much. Um, I try not to throw in any cookie cutter questions, but I don't think I do cookie cutter questions here. No, no. On this, this podcast, like, like Shelly and I, we could just go off forever and you know talk about all these different things and um, going on a lot of tangents too. So I have, I have a fun time with Shelly on this program and, uh, you've been cool. a great interview subject. If you want to do a part two, um, I have next weekend open and then I'm flying to Tampa to actually hang out. Blau Koblak, who's, you know, in Nocturnus AD, he was in incantation, lethal prior, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think you might've ran into him at some point. I'll ask him if he's met you before. I, if I did, it was at my, the Nocturnus AD played at the Mass Destruction Fest. In Atlanta, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ask him about that. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he, you guys probably ran into each other, you know, back in the early sure. days of Pittsburgh or something like that. But I'll ask him about it, see if you guys have, you know, known each other at one point or something like that. But uh, yeah, if you want to do part two, um, possibly next weekend, uh, same time. Um, okay. We have a, a guy named Diego. Uh, from Spain. He writes for El Negro Metal. We were talking about doing uh-huh. like a round table with him. So um, I think he'll really enjoy talking to you. Okay. And if you have like actual questions that I have to answer instead of just kind of going off on a tangent, just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think we can get to the substance with dialogue. So um, okay. Yeah, if you're down for next weekend, let's do that. Let's do it.
Awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, Mr. Ledney. Um, cool. It's been yep. a great pleasure. You're a fucking legend. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you very much for being on the program. And thank you, Shelly, um, from the website Hate Meditations. Always a very insightful guy. Uh, I know it's 4th of July here in the U.S. where we gained our independence from England. So it's a big middle finger to, you know, where (laughs) Shelly lives. But uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jason. I'm going to go and have a shower and some tea now. (laughs) Okay. Right on. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Thank you, Paul. It's been great. See you later. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Bye.